24 hours to kick off. Uh, it's 3 o'clock Central on a Friday. Longhorns kick off tomorrow at 3 o'clock Central. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Rod Babers, Jerry Hamilton, and Eric Nalin of Inside Texas. This is the Friday afternoon Longhorn live stream presented by MyPerfectFranchise.net. Jerry and Eric are sharing a screen right now. They're bosom buddies uh, there at, <laughs> at Pinkerton's. Get your hands uh, off my barbecue. Yeah, <laughs> Pinkerton's in the Heights. How are you guys doing? Uh, I, I noticed a couple guys in the as we were warming up here, getting ready to go. Uh, Jerry, a couple guys walked by and said hello. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, got, got, got a couple of coffee and football guys out here. I think this more uh, from the mornings uh, are here this afternoon. By the way, uh, just so everybody knows, I'm wearing Friendswood blue today. It's Hate Week in Friendswood and Angleton, and only Quandre Diggs and I know what that means. We we're ta- we we're texting last night because Friendswood and Angleton are playing tonight. And, you know, I went to Friendswood, and he went to Angleton, and um, you know, they only beat us in football only. For <laughs> <laughs> anything else, Quandre. Hey, Eric. Uh, and I think there's a couple of jammers running around on the Angleton freshman foot, uh, football hey, team now. last night. And shockingly enough, they were pretty good. Watch your mouth, Jerry. Watch your mouth on that one, man. <laughs> <laughs> they were pretty good, Rod. Eric, uh, Eric, uh, welcome in. Eric doesn't normally join us on Friday, but Gabe's in Houston. He's in Houston. He's going to hang out with us for a little bit. Uh, Eric, uh, you know, your thoughts on the game coming up. We haven't really talked to you about that since the state of the program on Wednesday. Uh, given uh, something you wrote in the Humidor earlier today about some injuries and what you're thinking with the Longhorns uh, this weekend. Well, first, I have to say that I'm sitting in for uh, Andrew Kelson, who lives pretty close by. He broke the cardinal rule and got married during football season. Uh, so, he's the, the, you know, it's one thing that, to get married in football season, but then I think a lot of people do it without realizing what their anniversary is every year. It's also during football season. So uh, he's off in wine country, and uh, I'm filling in for him like the good friend I am. Hey, but here's the crazy thing about that, Drew. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to somewhat let Drew off the hook because – he got married when Texas wasn't winning any games. So that's when you were scheduling your wedding. Well, Texas is going to lose by 20 at Oklahoma State and Stillwater this weekend. So let's go ahead. We're going to go ahead and schedule it for, you know, October. Well, Bobby, to answer your question about the injuries, uh, you know, I mean, we're not going to let the cat on the bag on, on that. But there, there are a couple guys that are going to miss this game and probably even miss the next game as Sark sees an opportunity to get those guys 100% healthy uh, while also – you know, you're not going to take anybody lightly, but they really want to be healthy for the back half of the schedule. I'm, I'm going to be really curious to see how the center unfolds because U of H does have a pretty active uh, interior defensive line. I really like uh, 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 Nwakwo. He was a all-state wrestler, well, a, gold, a champion wrestler two years in a row. Uh, really active hands, uh, athletic kid. Um, whoever's at center is not going to be either 100% healthy or they're going to be very young. So uh, that's a matchup I'll be watching. Um, you know, I, I think that one of the experienced guys is going to definitely try to tough it out and give it a go, but I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work. Uh, it's it's interesting because the Longhorns cannot afford another slip up after uh, losing uh, to OU last week, 34 to 30 in the or two weeks ago now, 34 to 30. Uh, Rod, Jerry, and I were talking about it this morning along with Blake Monroe. It feels like this has been a month or maybe two months since the last <laughs> game, not just two weeks. What are your yeah. thoughts? Uh, yeah, I agree with that. As an athlete, you know, as a player perspective, I would hate a bye week after a loss. It would just eat me up, especially if I had a bad game. If I had a bad game, I'm watching film. And not only think about this, not only you have a bad game, um, but most of the guys who watch that game, they're probably going to look at it and say, we're the biggest, we were our own worst enemy, right? Those are self-inflicted wounds. Now, that's good for Sark because 
you want to get back to practice. You want to get back to playing, practicing, putting the pads on as soon as possible. You can't redeem yourself till you get back in a game situation. That's why the two weeks, you know, it, for Sark, it's going to be it, – it, I'm sure it was really important for him to try to make sure that he balances the act between making sure you're, you're coaching up the guys real hard to fix the mistakes and fix the issues, solve the problems, but also, you know, he's making sure you're pumping these guys up a little bit too because, you know, confidence, that's your first loss. And some guys didn't play well. You had two weeks of stewing that, you know, making sure you pump the guys up a little bit too. Cause you know, one bad game does not make you a bad player or a bad team. They know that. So it's a balancing act for the coaches. You want to coach them up hard, but you also want the con you don't want the confidence to wane. You want the confidence to still be really high too. Hey, hey guys, uh, I'm going to keep it with you, Rod. Vegas says the line is about three touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, Jerry, Eric, you know, has that moved today? Or are we still at 22 and a half? The same number. The, the point being, the point being here is that three touchdowns is a lot in, in my opinion uh, right now. What are your thoughts on that, that uh, kind of number uh, that they're talking about in Vegas, Rod? It, I, t- I, I told this to Jerry too, and I've said it multiple times, this game is going to either be a shootout or a blowout. Yeah. And if you're Texas, you want the latter. If you're U of H, you want the former. That's how they stay in this game. Honestly, man, the, the, the defensive uh, struggles for U of H, I mean, they're no joke, guys. I mean, I've talked about the statistical ranking of them, but 107th in scoring defense, 117th in pass defense, 96th in rush defense, 79th in red zone defense, 126th in touchdown percentage allowed in the red zone, 117th in t- total defense. You, you get it. I can keep going, but you get it. They're the worst defense in the Big 12. So th- this, there's no better slump buster. All right, in U of H right now, in terms of the, the, your offense versus their defense. Um, so for Texas, mainly their red zone issues being a problem, uh, maybe a slow start being a problem because you started slow versus U, uh, versus Oklahoma. I think that's something that you can definitely get rectified versus U of H. If you cannot score touchdowns in the red zone versus U of H, then we know after a week of working on the red zone issue in a bye week, then we know. Hell, man, this team's got a real problem in the red zone. I was going to say, so if Texas if Texas goes two or six in the red zone Saturday, Bobby's going to need a bye week. <laughs> <laughs> Eric will be filling in on every show next week. Yeah, Bobby will need a bye week. <laughs> there's not a doubt about that. I mean, I'm tired of taking three when you can get seven. I mean, that that's not a fair trade. That's not how you win football uh, games or, or, or calculate math, for that matter. <laughs> Um, I, I got a couple things here. Please uh, get your questions in now, if you don't mind. We're going to take questions the rest of this hour. Uh, there's not a lot of ton of news updates, obviously. The Astros and Rangers get going around 4 o'clock. Uh, Eric and uh, Jerry are both in uh, are at Pinkerton's over in the Heights uh, getting ready for the game tomorrow. Longhorns take on U of H at 3 o'clock. Uh, but we're going to take your questions. Before we do that, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, our sponsor each and every Friday afternoon is MyPerfectFranchise.net. It's Andy Ludicky. Uh, Andy and his team, uh, what they do is they take you through a process. If you're interested in owning on your own business and potentially interested in the franchise model, give Andy a shout at 404-973-9901 or in, send him an email at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net and he will look to talk to you, walk you through the process, give you an uh, an update on where you stand and what your possibilities are in franchise ownership. And he's a great guy. He's done it for a number of uh, folks here. Uh, again, 404-973-9901. All right, uh, we'll get on to now some uh, news and notes and uh, questions and answers, that sort of stuff. Jerry, I'm going to start with you because it, it's, I think somebody's putting out there that Texas is still in it with Micah Hudson. 
And it's it's kind of like <laughs> Eric's dropping his head. Jerry, I'll let you take that one. Yeah, I mean, look, heard nothing of substance. Uh, anything moving forward uh, with that. Um, I, and he is the most asked about guy. I think Dominic McKinley's first on defense and Hudson's first on offense at this point as far as questions. But, yeah, nothing uh, nothing in a positive movement there. Um, I, I'm sure Eric can say the same thing. But there's just there's nothing there at this point we, in time. We would love nothing more than to break the Internet with some positive development. We're not going to sit on that. The first thing we would do is, is write an article and then come straight to on Texas football and, and brighten your day. Um, so we're not – it doesn't behoove us to sit on some information. If anything develops there, uh, we're going to be – we're going to get it out there as quickly as possible. Uh, I agree. Uh, thanks, Eric, for that. Uh, this one's from Nico21. Is it odd that in all injury updates from Sark, there is no mention of Jalen Catalan? He's mentioned most players and said they are day-to-day, but curious if injury may be worse than they are letting on. Uh, Eric, I'll let you take this because you you gave the, the kind of once-over about injuries at the outset of this. Look, I mean, Longhorns are on the mend at a couple different spots. Center is one of them. We're not really going to go into the other one at this time, but uh, give us what you got on Catalan and what you're allowed to say. Well, I don't have I don't have clarity on that one. What I've heard is that it's not a, a shoulder injury, which I think everybody's worried about. That's the kind of the chronic injury he's had that's uh, sidelined him for quite a while. Um, I, I think it's uh, lower extremities, but I, I don't know how severe that is. That one that I'm not even sitting on because I have information and just can't say it. It's one that I don't have a ton of information on in general. Maybe uh, Jerry's heard something. No, what I was going to say is is – you know, in the both of the press conferences, nobody specifically even asked about Catalan to make Sark answer the question. Nobody asked about Chris Ross either. I mean, the main questions were Jake Majors, JT Sanders, and then Sark kind of went down his list. So nobody came right back over the top of that and asked specifically about Catalan or Ross. Uh, so Sark has not had to speak on either one of those guys. Got it. All right. I will, I will say the sources did t- go a little more tight lip on that one for whatever reason. I, I don't know. It, it depends on who you ask. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be uh, we'll be watching and we'll have our, our eyes in the sky with the binoculars out, seeing if he's out there warming up with everybody else. I, I haven't heard that there's a serious injury though. I got you. Uh, this one from Ecam, Bobby and Jerry. My offensive game plan against Houston is to run a lot on them. I think that's everybody's. And Rod and Eric, I know I want to bring you guys in on this too. The problem is, is like Eric mentioned earlier, who's going to be the center? Um, and are they going to be up up to the task against an interior defense uh, that has some quickness to them? Uh, Rod, your thoughts on whether or not, or Jerry, any of you guys want to comment on whether or not the game plan should be to run on U of H? Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll hit something real quick. I'm not worried if Connor Robertson's a starter here at all. I, I think he played pretty well against Oklahoma. For your first action ever, really, in college, you're thrown into that atmosphere, sitting yeah. there, being at the game. It was wild. Um, I think he's. I think he'll be a better player in week two than he was in week one if he's a starter. Um, I'm not worried about Connor Robertson. I'm interested to see Rod. The set, when Sark said, you know, kind of a self-audit at the midway point of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about it. 14 runs. That's five runs and one pass on first play of the game offensively. Five run, five passes and one run. Sorry, five passes, one run, five passes, one run on second. Now, four passes, one run on third play of the game offensively uh, for Sark. So that's 14 passes and three runs. I wonder, you know, he's pretty much come out and said, we're going to pass first to set up the run. I wonder if that self-audit at the midway point, you're going to see a little bit different script starting some of these games. 
Yeah, that's interesting, especially, you know, since the defense was exposed in some ways versus Oklahoma. I mean, talk, Sark talks about complimentary football as much as any coach I know, right? Complimentary football, complimentary football. And the truth is, Sark himself did not really practice complimentary football as a play caller in an Oklahoma game, especially late in the game when he could have milked some more of that clock. Uh, so, yeah, I do wonder if, since, especially since Jonathan Brooks now, we're talking about this guy as a Dope Walker Award finalist. You're talking about him as a, the leader right now, the front runner for the Dope Walker, potentially. He's making first team running back midseason All-American teams. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I knew he was going to be good. I just didn't know he'd be this good. And I'm not sure Sark knew he'd be this good. So when you talk about the passing first, the pass open up the run, I think Sark assumed, like I did, like a lot of people did, that the identity of this offense would be the passing game. Right, the identity of the offense will be Quinn Ewers throwing all those really explosive weapons, JT, X-Men, AD, good luck, figure it out, right? Nightmare fuel for a defense. And now I wonder if Sark is thinking, well, that works if my defense is as, as stout as I believe they were, but they, they went into that Oklahoma game with a little false confidence defensively because they hadn't faced a pass-first offense. They hadn't faced a quarterback that could perform at the level of a Dylan Gabriel. And in some ways, just situationally, they were exposed a little. And I wonder if Sark is thinking now, well, you know what? Maybe I need to limit exposure of my defense, run the football a little bit more, control the clock, control the ball, and then I can get to my passing game later, but maybe not, maybe not pass to open up the run. Maybe I pound the damn rock, and then once they adjust, the passing game will be there for me. We'll see. I don't know exactly what he's going to do because U of H, honestly, he could have this way either way. Hey, by the way, good on Hallettsville for retiring Jonathan Brooks' jersey early hey. in the season before he wins the Doke. Because the last <laughs> thing they wanted to have happen is him bring the Doke back to Hallettsville and his number's <laughs> not retired yet. So good job, Hallettsville. Smart thinking there. Hey, Rod, you use the term exposed uh, as, as it relates to the Texas defense. Yeah. I'd like to get some clarity from, from Eric and Jerry whether they think the de Texas defense was exposed. I mean, that's – let's put it this way. That's a that's a strong word because that means they're not as good. They were cloaking it up until then, right? They were, they were basically not really the true team we thought they were. Is that what we think? We think that they were just exposed, or do we think they have some strengths that they just need to shore up? I mean, Eric, well, I, what do you think on that? I think you're going to get different answers from me and Jerry because we're a little bit different on PK, not entirely different, but a little bit different in where I, I'm thinking that's more of a limited sample size. I want to see more of it. I did not like that game plan, of course, uh, but I am a believer in him long-term uh, based not just on what he's done uh, last year and earlier in this year, but at Washington. Uh, that was a disappointing game, but I think they were just uh, discombobulated to start. Uh, you know, they, they, they had more trouble with Dylan Gabriel than they anticipated going into the game. I don't think they gave him as much credit as a scrambler. Uh, it hurt them that they didn't face him the year prior, I believe. Uh, I think the corners were, uh, you know, they, they're just when you lose aggression, you lose tackling. I think a lot of the runs weren't, uh, they didn't have the leverages that they would. They wouldn't have, they didn't have the rules that normally apply where it's easier to play within the constraints of a defense. Uh, I think there was a lot of breakdowns, and when things broke down, the defense broke down. Uh, I do think that, you know, they're going to play the design run better this week than probably they did last year and what you'd anticipate based off of the last time we going to be perfect. Donovan Smith is, is, is a good athlete, not quite as quick as Gabriel, uh, but a long strider, uh, bigger and more powerful. Uh, I think it's more of a one-off, but others might have a diff different opinion. Yeah, where I come out on it is more like when we were talking before the Kansas game, I was more like, okay, Texas is a good defense, but we don't know if they're very good or elite because 
they hadn't really faced anybody that could put that pressure on them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that could expose any weaknesses that they have, truly expose them. Jalen Milrow wasn't the passer to do that. And he really isn't instinctively the runner. He's just a great athlete um, yeah. if he gets to the edge. Uh, so my thought is, okay, I think Texas is anywhere from 25 to 40 in the country in defense probably, right? So I think they're a good defense. But I, I think the things we talked about before the season are still issues is where's the edge pass rush come from against quality opponents? When talent's neutralized, where does that pass rush come from? That answer – is not there now consistently. And then the other thing is, 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 you know, Texas has a lack of speed at safety. And if you don't get pass rush, your lack of speed at safety shows up. Let me ask you all this. So here's why I lean to the, to the word exposed. We had a round table on inside Texas today where we all put our scores out. <laughs> I put, I put, I chose Texas to win 41 to 31. Mm-hmm. Okay. Immediately, there was vitriol on the boards. Oh, my God, Bobby thinks that they're going to score 31 points on us. He must think that we're not very good or what have you. I I lean toward what Rod said because of that. I I think Texas defense was more exposed. No pass rush. Safety's not really great in pass defense. And they're missing a couple guys right now. If Catalan can't play, if Ryan Watts can't play, they're missing a couple of starters. I mean, Nobody's going to be able to replicate that on the on the schedule going forward. So we might not know uh, the true answer in, until December if both teams make it. Yep, I, that's that's the thing about it, right? Because they faced three backup quarterbacks. I've gotten to the point now when I rewatch film on Texas, <laughs> I, I throw out the backup quarterback sample, guys. I don't even do. I, I can't. <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's distorting the sample. It yeah. distorts the sample when you put in those three backup quarterbacks because not only were they backups, but they didn't practice the whole week. Kansas, they, found they weren't out even prepared. To, yeah, they weren't prepared to play Texas. Yes, so I've thrown that out, and when I've thrown that out, and I've just looked at the three games with starters who practiced all week against Texas, Oklahoma, Alabama, and Rice, I found a few things. Now, this is a good defense, so they don't have a lot of flaws. We, right. I'm not talking about the 2021 Texas defense, where hell, man, you can throw a dart at a statistical uh, category, and they, they they're, they're underachieving there, right? We're talking about. Very small situational uh, vulnerabilities for Texas. But, guys, that's what's going to lose you a championship, (laughs) right? Because that's when that's going to be exposed on a championship level. The biggest game of the year for Texas, the one day, you know, Oklahoma had a better preparation and game plan for that game. Texas' best preparation and game plan was probably the Alabama game when they outcoached Nick Saban on the road in Tuscaloosa. But what happened in Texas OU game? Well, Brent Venables, his staff, outcoached Sark. (laughs) <laughs> hey Rod, to your point, they've been they've been practicing, they haven't been tested. They've been prepping for that game for yeah. six months. Man, Sark has been, Sark been preparing for that Alabama game for a year. Yeah. <laughs> I guarantee you. That's why Quinn looks so comfortable. Sark even himself said that that in the first three games of the season, two of their opponents gave them a look that they had not seen on film. And he didn't say it, but I hypothesized. That's why Quinn started slow in the Rice and the Wyoming game because they threw something at him. Doesn't mean he struggled the whole game. No, he's a mature quarterback. So he bounced back like he did in Oklahoma game. But what did we hear from Xavier Worthy and Jonathan Brooks? That that Venables threw something at them, the Joker defense, that they hadn't seen and prepared for on film. So what happened to Quinn? Once again, a slow start. So it just takes little, little vulnerabilities here and there. Texas can't handle the two-minute drill. They defended three two-minute drills this year, guys. Three two-minute drills, and guys, they played their worst football of the season, defending the two-minute drill in Oklahoma game twice at the end of the first half, into the second half, and that Bama game at the end of that first half. 
So they only defended three, but they defended them poorly. All right. So, so that begs the question, Rod and Eric and Bobby, does Dana go two-minute drill as much as possible tomorrow? Does he think in two-minute drill as much as possible tomorrow? Just because I think we've we've talked all year about starting fast on offense. I think Texas needs to start fast on defense tomorrow. I think they need to have success in the first quarter against U of H to not get into that shootout Rod's talking about. I don't know that they're going to be able to stop it. That's my point. Unless Texas' defensive front is dominant like they were at times against both uh, Kansas and um, Baylor, I'm not sure, or and even Alabama. I'm not sure they're going to be able to stop it from being not necessarily a, a boat race between the two teams, but uh, certainly a, a high-scoring affair. I, I just – I'm not convinced yet on that. The beauty of this game plan, I believe, for Dana Hogerson, and Jerry's been pointed out, first of all, you're going to get it all. He, Dana Hogerson, job on the line, people in H-Town upset with him because he lost to freaking Rice in H-Town. Yeah. Y'all in H-Town, you, you're basically never supposed to lose to Rice, all right? That ain't supposed to happen. So his job was on the line. He was on the hot seat wave even before the Dana Hogerson Bowl. But I think they're going to copy that. They're going to try their best to copy the Oklahoma game plan. Can they do it to the elite level Oklahoma did? No. But I think they're going to speed up the pace. They're at 35, I think, in the country in plays per game right now. Sorry, plays per minute. I apologize. Plays per minute. Oklahoma is around 15. So they're hyperspeed. I expect Oklahoma uh, Oklahoma's game plan right now to basically be U of H's game plan. They'll probably try to replicate that and speed up their pace. That pace, guys, that did throw off the Texas defensive front. It did. The front seven just didn't handle that, you know, that up-tempo very well. And then you go back to the quarterback draw, right, in the scrambles that Eric brought up. Those were big. Those are big plays. Go look at this. We had four scrambles. I think he had five quarterback draws in that game. As my man uh, Ian Boyd points out, think about it, guys. The quarterback draw is essentially it's a design scramble. All right. And Sark has talked about it. I don't know if Brent Venables was doing the research on that, but Sark has talked about how they're not disciplined in pass rush lanes. They get way too eager to get up to the quarterback. That's where we got the 20 miles per hour Arch Manning story. So I think that's why they use the quarterback draw. Give them some red meat, throw it out there, let them over pursue, abandon their pass rush lanes to get to the quarterback. And then you let blockers get in place and boom. So every problem that was presented to them in the Oklahoma game will be presented to them again on a lower level in this U of H game. If they didn't solve it in the, in the prior week, then Bobby's right. They're going to score some points. The, the, biggest, thing, the biggest thing to that is Oklahoma put Texas's best defensive player in conflict, Jalen Ford. Rod, they put him in conflict the whole game. Yep. They took Texas's best defensive player out of the game. Hey, I'm looking at this. Jerry, you, you, you went... 48 to 24. I uh, did. Eric, you went 41 to 20. Um, Eric, you and I are the only two in on inside Texas that didn't pick Texas to cover. Um, Ooh. What are you what are you thinking on that? I mean, what were you what were well, your I mean, that's, I, that's not really indicative of how I think the game is gonna go. Like I said earlier in the season, you can predict predict a score like that, and it can be close for three quarters or it could be not close for the entire game. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of the way that Sart coaches it. Um he doesn't necessarily go for the throat unless he absolutely has to. Um, I don't think that, you know, I think the all gas, no breaks thing, that, that, that applies to probably uh, Washington and Oregon more than probably Texas at this point. <laughs> uh, so I, 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 that doesn't mean I expect a close game. I just don't think they're going to cover. But, it, you know, I'm barely off there. You know, 41 yeah. could be a predicted score for almost every game they play the rest of the season, honestly. You know, it's just they have that ability to blow them out. Like I said, it could be a it could be a blot or it can be a relatively close game where it's it's uh, still up in the air going into the fourth quarter. I think I think one of the reasons I have it closer than what many predict is was is a because Dana Holgerson is coaching for his job. Mm-hmm. B 
U of H, this is their chance to get back at Texas. When's the last time Texas played U of H? When's the next time? Ago? When's the next time? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I just, I'm just telling you, I think there's a little bit of extra motivation on that side of the fence. Plus, they're coming off of a Hail Mary win. I mean, I, I just think that the stars line up a little bit for U of H. Doesn't mean I think they're going to win. It does mean I think they're in, in good shape to, to, to cause Texas some Texas fans, in particular, some heartburn. I think the worst case scenario, Texas just grinds it out on the ground. So I'm not, yep. I'm not super worried about the outcome of the game. I think, you know, the, the, the break glass in case of emergency is just run off tackle. All right. Hey, here's a question for you guys. Uh, this from Shake and Bake. Uh, did the uh, let me get this up here. See if I can get it right. All right. Did the infamous goal line stand against OU have anything to do with an undersized Connor Robertson? He's not smaller than Jake Majors. He's 25 pounds heavier than Jake. You see, I mean, he's 6'3", 315, 319. Size, size can be overblown. It's about leverage, firing out of the ball, a lower body strength. There can be – I mean, there are guys that, that weigh 30 pounds less than me that are a lot stronger. I mean, that that doesn't always matter. Low man wins. Uh, and, and, you know, that's an unfair – that's the worst possible situation for a green offensive lineman to be in. Everybody is key and run. There's extra bodies all over the place. That's just a very, very difficult place to be. So, yeah. it's not about weight. We've also, We've all seen the very heavy person that's weak. Uh, and there's a lot smaller guys that are a lot stronger. Uh, so that was just a, that that's a, a, the perfect storm of bad luck for uh, Connor Robertson's initiation in college football. Hey, hey, let me ask you a question to follow that. Do you think we see two D tackles in a jumbo set again this year? I do not. I think you might unless, see unless it's, unless it's in the wild or red cat. Yeah, I, was, I think you. I think you might. It's a sweat. Sweat. Nobody stops. Sweat's getting through. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think you might see it again. I think you will. I, I think you will. Listen, Sark wanted to make a statement there, and that st- statement blew up in his face, and he said it sucked. And he admitted his play calling was subpar. Right? He said he would have changed the play calling there. Yeah. To, to Eric's point, you know, we went jumbo, and you went with Sweat and Byron Murphy in the backfield. Essentially, Oklahoma well-prepared knew, all right, they're going behind these big bodies. They're going behind the big humans. They're going directly behind them. So these played right off the butt of those uh, lead blockers. If Sark has a formation, because that formation was compressed, condensed, had everybody in the box just waiting. You know, he spreads things out just a little bit. You know, a receiver out here, uh, hey, you can let Xavier Worthy and JT Sanders go out there one-on-one. There was no, you know, it's emotional. So I wonder if he, he can remove some of the defenders out of the box and make life a little bit easier. I think he's going to do that. that. I think so, too. But I do think we're going to see that that play again. Uh, yeah. He said the first two plays were one, one play call. He knew that they were going to run them back-to-back. And then he said he should have uh, taken his time and gone with a different call in third. Yeah, he got a little, uh, he got a little stubborn, maybe. But how, we all watch a lot of football. We've seen we've seen teams push it on that third try uh, countless times. It just didn't work, uh, and maybe it wasn't the right call. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I've seen it work the other way too. What's up, bud? Yeah, but right. wait, I, I support the move. I, even at the time, I was like, they're gonna get it in. I mean, how can they not get it in? They gonna get it in. I think Sark was thinking the very same thing too. That oh, eventually we're gonna pound this thing in. Give Oklahoma some credit there. But I will say this about that: that I, I think Sark's gonna go more that six O line package. I do too. Forward. I do too. Um, guys in conference play, it's just been really, really effective. I mean, I can give the numbers, but I think in a red zone, that may be your happy medium, your compromise. You want to play some bully ball sometimes, but you also want to spread them out, be able to use your innovation and creativity. The six O line package, Big Eleven, Big Twelve, may be the compromise because right now in conference play, if you take out take out the jumbo, right, take out the jumbo and take out the red cat. I'm talking about Big Eleven, Big Twelve. Your six O line packages right now in conference play. 
I have Texas in that big O-line package averaging over 12 yards per attempt, uh, over nine yards per play, and uh, seven yards per rush. Yeah, I was without, say, without, the red cat, without the jumbo. We're just talking yeah, about yeah. big 11, big 12. Yeah. Even with, with, forward. That's, this something is the way. On, that's something they can lean on this week with Jatavian being hurt. It actually gets better. You have two better blockers at tight end. Instead of having Jatavian out there and Malik Agbo, you have uh, – you have Helm and, and Agbo out there. So I, I, I think we'll see a lot of 12 tomorrow as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Uh, I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Jerry Hamilton, Eric Nalin of Inside Texas. Rod Babers also alongside us, former Longhorn NFL player. Uh, this is the Friday afternoon Longhorn live stream brought to you by MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, Andy Ludicky and his team, uh, if you're looking to leave the corporate rat race, uh, just two weeks PTO, no, no time to yourself, give Andy a shout. Franchise ownership may be for you. Uh, he's the perfect person to deal with on this stuff. 404-973-9901. That's 404-973-9901. Uh, visit him at myperfectfranchise.net or email him at andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, all right, we've got some more questions coming in uh, that I want to get to. Eric and Jerry, you guys are at uh, Pinkerton's Barbecue over in the Heights. Did y'all get any barbecue before y'all got started today? Well, I see I see this guy, Paul, over here on the sidebar being a joker. What's Eric staring at, licking his lips? What are you eyeballing? Uh-huh. Well, I mean, of course. Have you seen the brisket here, Paul? <laughs> I, I, I did. And, and my, son, my son did, too. So uh, my son driving down uh, here from uh, – I picked him up at SciFair. Um, he was like, uh, I, I kind of like the live streams. I'm getting I'm getting neat barbecue every uh, Friday. And like, hey, we're running out of spots, okay? <laughs> hey, this I'm going to go to Carolina for basketball season, do Carolina barbecue or something, a, a live stream, Kansas, Bobby. Kansas City Can't compete. Can't compete. No, That's no, thanks. It doesn't compete. No, it doesn't eh, compete. I, look, I've eaten that. All right, hey, Daniel Kinnaman has a good question. And I, there's four Houston area natives here, kind of, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why isn't U of H able to capitalize on local talent Ooh. like Miami? I, I'm gonna, I want to say this, Rod. You played in. You were a high school yeah. player in Houston. Yep. Uh, and Houston wasn't horrible, by the way, no. when you were in high school. No. Uh, they actually had decent teams. The, the the thing that I say here that's very interesting, the difference between Miami and Houston is, uh, Miami is really far away from Orlando. Whereas Houston and Austin's just two and a half, three hour drive. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's part of it. Um, I think also that there are two, I, I don't know how to put this other than Houston has never been a, uh, the destination university in that city like Miami was in the 80s and 90s. Agreed. It just wasn't. Nope. It's never been the it program. Right, they they Tom Herman probably had them as high as they could go recently with some of his moves, but it, it does, they don't have to be the it program guys. To, and you guys know this, y'all know more about recruiting than me. They because they you don't even have to get all the top level talent in Houston to still rack up a ton of high level football players. At the look, there's so much talent there, you don't even have to get the frontline guys that all the power five blue bloods want. 
you can get some of the second tier and third tier guys and still kill it coming out of H-Town. It's that deep. It's not DFW deep. DFW is probably on a different level right now. That's probably the second best, most fertile uh, recruiting ground in the country behind that Atlanta area right now. But Houston's still in the top six or seven metro areas producing NFL talent uh, since like 2020, if you're looking at it. So I'm with you. I think when you get the right coach, the, the bad thing about U of H is they're always a step and stone program. Maybe that changes now that they're into the Big 12, but whoever coach they have, it's inevitable that coach is going to leave and go somewhere else do a, a better job of some kind. And that's something that they, they got to figure out, that hey, you got to have the replacement already ready to go. I think they already have because they've had a lot of great coaches at U of H, but you're right. They've never been the it program. I don't think they ever ever will be. That's a and that, Houston was an Aggie town when I was there. Yeah. Matt Brown turned it into more of a Texas town. Hell, now I think it may be swinging back. I don't know what it is now because I don't hang out there enough. But it was an Aggie town when I was coming up, and, and it turned into a Texas town. U of H will never be the it program in that city, even no matter how good they are. That's in my opinion. You know what's interesting about that question? Uh, so I'm not going to name the high school, but I was at a high school last week that's a power high school in, in this area. And and they said, we never see the staff around here. You would think they would be by here more uh, w- with their days. But I always fire back at some of those guys and say, they don't have a chance at your kids, man. I mean, yeah. like, but, and you know what they're coming back with now? That's why the relationships are more important because half of our kids are going to transfer out of the schools they sign with. Uh, but it, it, here's the thing with Houston. This is the way I've always looked at the job. When Houston was at their best, in my opinion, I mean, Herman had some – he did well, but it was Art Browse handing off to Kevin Sumlin. Um, you have to evaluate the quarterback position exceptionally well at Houston. You have to have something to put you over the top, and it has to be quarterback. I'll never forget the year that Art Browse was hired at Baylor. If, he, if Baylor had not hired Art Browse, he would have had Kevin Cobb, Case Keenum. I think we lost Jerry a little bit. RG3 is the other player, right? Oh, yeah, you're right. Out of Copper's Cove. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so committed to him. You're right. They would have had those three. I think uh, Jerry and Eric screen froze. Uh, Matt, will you mind taking them down for a little bit? And Rod and I will try to get going here until we get them back. Um, you know, Rod, uh, we've got uh, other questions coming in and, and whatnot. Here's one that is interesting to me as well. Against Houston's defense, who's more likely to have a 100-yard day, Brooks or Worthy, in your opinion? I think it's Jay Brooks. It's got to be, right? I mean, he – and I know Worthy, you can get the chunk yardage plays, um, but right now in terms of the running game, considering how well the running game's doing, finding its groove, C.J. Bax, there's a, there's a big drop-off between running back one and running back two right now. Johnny Brooks is playing like the best running back in the country – and C.J. Baxter is just a guy to come in right now and, you know, help you display some of that, you know, some of that load, right, uh, that burden on the running back. But, hell, that receiver, if J.T. Sanders is healthy, he's going to cut into that. If A.D. Mitchell, you know, is having a great game getting one-on-one, he's going to cut into that. You got Jay Witt coming off a 100-yard game last week. So, Jay Witt's feeling real good about his role. He And Sarkis was saying, hey, I got to get more Jonte Cook in there. I got to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to find a way to get Jonte Cook the football in, in a, you know, critical, crucial situation. I just think, not for Xavier Worthy, he's not, you know, obviously lead enough to get 100 yards. Of course he is. I just think he's got more competition. In the passing game, Jonathan Brooks is the guy. He is the guy. He is running back one. And exactly, yes, he's wide receiver one, but he's been used as a decoy uh, a, a lot of the times this season, which is smart because teams are going to double him in roll coverage. But, you know, also that means he's a decoy. He's not getting the football, not force feeding him the football. They're going to force feed Jay Brooks. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And I'll say another thing here. Jonathan Brooks has gone over 100 yards four out of six games. Xavier Worthy's only go, gone over 100 yards once this year, and that was against OU last or two weeks ago. And Bobby, am I not mistaken? Are the two games that once he didn't start? Yes. The first two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, it makes sense. Um, all right. Uh, we got Eric and Jerry back. Jerry, I know we cut you off there. You, you're, you guys froze up a little bit. I was I, I was done. I've been pontificating enough. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Hey, welcome to Houston, guys, from Mario Guzman. What's y'all's opinion on Patrick Paul, the left tackle for U of H? Went to high school and played with him. Dude is a beast. Uh, guys, we've talked about him all week. One of uh, U of H's best players, if not its very best. Yeah, uh, Patrick Paul. Uh, I don't know if we're having issues again. Uh, You're but, good. Uh, yeah, out of Jersey Village. I mean, lightly recruited guy. Um, uh, Jersey Village was not winning games at the time, which is always big in some of these recruitments. Uh, you don't get all the feet through the door. You don't get all those college coaches to stop through the door, even at Jersey Village, when you you haven't won a lot of games for on. David Snockhouse has been there and done a great job for years. He's had a dry run there for a while of talent, and the program opened all those schools, but. Patrick Paul was not a heavily recruited guy, but he's from the Houston area, and he's projected to be a first-round pick out of Jersey Village. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's go this one. Eric, I'm going to stay with you on this. Who are y'all's midseason award winners? Let's go offensive MVP, defensive MVP, wow. uh, and uh, probably maybe your surprise or sleeper of the year that's come on. Uh, obviously, I think, man, Jonathan Brooks has to be, if not a shoe-in for that, a definite possibility. But offensive and defensive player of the year at the midseason, Eric. We're losing. We lost. You are you there, Eric? Oh, uh, they froze. I think again. Yep. They froze again. Well, what do you What do you think? You're uh, off. Honestly, it's got to be Jay Brooks right now. It's got to be Jay Brooks. It, Jay Brooks may be the biggest surprise story of the season in college football potentially. I mean, think about it. He's following Bijan and Rojo. Everybody for the last two years uh, prior to 2023 was saying Texas has the best best running back room in the country. Best running best running back in the country in Bijan and the best running back room in the country with Bijan and Rojo. So it, everybody expected there has to be a drop off. Of course there will be. You got two NFL running backs that just got drafted, so there'll be a drop off of some kind. Maybe not a precipitous drop off, but there will be a drop off a little bit in Texas run game. Uh, well, maybe if Sark had started Jay Brooks from the jump, there wouldn't have been a drop off at all because Jay Brooks is eating at that spot. So he is easily, in my opinion, the MVP on offense because nobody expected the running game to be as productive as it's been so far. So he gets it. I know Quinn's been great. Um, I love JT. JT could, could win the Mackey this year. Now with Brock Bowers out. But, man, Jay Brooks. This guy might be running back one off the board in the draft right now. That's what they're saying. That's crazy. That's wild. Good for him. Yeah, I would go Brooks as well. And I think it ties into what Rod was saying earlier. Um, you know, it, it, Brooks deserves a lot of credit. But I think – Defenses, he is benefiting from the defenses uh, concentrating on that mid-range passing game that has been effective. We're seeing that complimentary uh, football on the offensive side. And Sark actually predicted that going into the season. He just uh, went away from the running back that everybody thought it was going to be. We've been all, all offseason been predicting that that uh, Brooks would be the breakout offensive player. And at the last minute, he switched to, to Baxter, which you know I still find a little curious. Uh, we haven't really seen Baxter uh, fully healthy since the first week or so. Uh, but I think I think that, that Sark's vision for the offense, that duality between the run and pass, is playing out. It just hasn't it hasn't resonated as much because they have had those struggles in the red zone. So the points aren't quite there. But between the twenties, I think the offense is, is dreamlike for Sark, and I think he's running close to on all on all cylinders between the twenties. Jerry, your offensive uh, player of the year thus far? 
Yeah, uh, it's got to be Jonathan Brooks. I mean, uh, but I, I'll say this. I think Quinn's closing in. Um, I'm interested to see where it's at at the end of the year. Quinn's playing his best football right now. And the back half of the schedule defensively is not as good as the uh, front half. And the more Texas successfully runs the ball, Bobby, I just I, – I, I, teams are going to struggle against the run. They're going to have to stack the box. These mm-hmm. teams struggle to stop the run. Yeah. Uh, so I, I go Jonathan Brooks, but at the end of the season, I think it may be Quinn. Yeah. Hey, my, buddy, Jerry. My, my buddy Michael Hinojosa in the, in the sidebar over there, he says we're too negative. Um, I've been predicting that the, the offense is about to explode uh, in the second half, and I think Quinn is going to play a big part of that, and I think it's going to be uh, tight between Quinn and, and Jonathan Brooks. And I know some people don't think that Quinn is going to get drafted in the first round. I think uh, by November, I think, you know, we're going to be uh, mid-November. I think everybody's going to have a pretty good uh, realization that he will go in the first, even if it's not in the first, you know, 10 picks or whatever. It's going to be obvious that Quinn's going to go in the first pick by the end of the season, in, in my view. Hey, guy, I got to say this. Quinn Ewers in his last three games, the only three games in the Big 12, 77.9% completion ratio. Wow. And they're not just the short game. It's not the short game. You would have taken that and gone to the house. If you yep. would, if I told you that in the preseason, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Hey, by the way, Baylor Baylor may not have the talent, uh, the team that they've had uh, under Randon recent years, but you know what he's faced? He's faced two tremendous defensive coordinators in the first three games. By the way, yep, yep. Hey, um, I will say this. Uh, add this. Let's let's talk defense a little bit. Uh, your defensive MVP. I think the 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 pick that most people have said uh, has been Tavondre Sweat. Yes, sir. Uh, because I, I've seen a couple of uh, NFL draft mocks. One of them had him had him going as high as the first round, guys. I think the fifteenth yeah. overall pick or something like that. Uh, is that y'all's defensive MVP for the uh, midseason? It's mine for sure. I mean, I, I think he grabbed a hold of that the first game versus Rice and hasn't really let go. He's he's been the most consistent. Uh, he grades the highest routinely. Um, he's the difference maker up, up, up in the middle. You know, those guys are, are very hard to find. There's a scarcity. That's why I was celebrating uh, like they landed a five-star recruit uh, when he came back for his senior year. I think, you know, he had disappointed a little bit at times, but he had been showing maturity throughout. Uh, he's an entirely different to Vondre Sweat than that was in the program three years ago. And you're seeing that all uh, come to fruition on the field. And so I would not be surprised if he goes in the first round. Not only is he big, he's not just a space eater. We've seen, we've seen much less talented guys go in the first and second round than him. He actually has some quickness off the ball. He's using his hands better. He's got he's got a power and quickness and size advantage uh, over most offensive linemen. I think it's pretty obvious that he's been the best defender so far. I think uh, I think um, it's it's sweat now. I think before the OU game, people might have argued it was Ford. And I'm interested, I don't think Ford's going to go lightly on this. I think Ford's going to come back and have a tremendous second half of the season. He probably doesn't. Uh, like the way his game tape looked against Oklahoma, and he's going to be out to prove something. Now, I'll tell you the other thing about Sweat, talking about these NFL guys, is here's what helps. This is going to be a good reflection for Sark and recruiting out of the portal or high school. All these guys, they don't have – these guys we're talking about getting drafted high, mm-hmm. they're going to they're gonna get good grades off the field from NFL scouts. All these guys are going to end up moving up. The more they do, the scouts do – their due diligence on them and talk to them in person and be around them. I think that's going to help uh, Sark uh, as well here and moving forward in the future. Rod, you got yeah. sweat as your defensive player of the year thus far as well. Yeah. I'd like to switch it up, you know, add some variety to the conversation, <laughs> but it's, that's how obvious it is. It's obvious on offense and defense, man. He's been dominant. I've, I've seen, I can think of so many plays now that I know are going to be on his draft highlight. 
I can even hear the music when he's drafted. <laughs> the the one handed uh, pass rush, where he basically just yeah. pushes back the Oklahoma offensive lineman and still is able to put the pressure to quarterback and then hit him. To, that's that was just amazing. I mean, that really was. That, that's going to be, I guarantee we all know that will be uh, one of the featured highlights on his draft highlight reel. You know, Tavondre in high school, Tavondre told me he was going to stay at defensive end. But I, I, wow. I went, to, went to go watch him play against Jalen Garth, and I shook his hand, and his hand went up to my elbow. And I said, hey, uh, Tavondre, what, uh, what position are you going to play in college? He looks like you can add some weight. And he goes, I'm a defensive end. I said, oh, all right, good luck, buddy. And I think he put on 30 pounds in the first three months on campus. And it makes sense. He's a big KD fan. It's one of the reasons he went to Texas, right? I mean, every big guy wants to play small forward in yeah. basketball, yeah, too. I, I was not going to argue with him. <laughs> and there he is gaining 110 pounds, by the way. Hey, 110 hey, pounds if he, since if he, he can, Texas. If he can move like a DN at the combine, he yeah. will get drafted in the first round, guys. That's yeah. the key. Yeah. And this went from Michael Hinojosa, guys. Can we acknowledge that we're five and one, the best team in 14 years, and a top five team according to all the advanced ratings? Yes. yes. I think we can all agree to that. That, no that doesn't mean that's going to keep us from debating and critiquing and going down all those different rabbit holes that we tend to go down. Uh, the Longhorns have a tremendous team right now with a lot of talent. I think the question that I think all of us have right now is not necessarily the talent on hand. It's how good is the team going to be? This is the most talent they've got. They've had collected in more than a decade. It'll be the most players draft in the seven round draft at Texas. Yeah. But, but, are they that kind of team? Right. And I think that's what the rest of the season will tell. It's amazing what a win over Alabama does. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, that changes everybody's outlook for the season. I mean, I think every all four of us had 10 and 2 before the season. We're on the 10 and 2 yeah. train here before the season. <laughs> After the Alabama game, obviously you move to 11 and 1. You still say, okay, you can still get knocked off. It's a robbery game. OU, TCU's a tough game. Um, but, you know, now I think all of us think Texas should win out. They're going to be favored yeah. for a reason. Uh, but, you know, it's what's interesting about uh, college football is I think TCU just got better when Josh Hoover entered the game at quarterback. I think that just became a more difficult game for Texas. I think there's, to Bobby's point, like Bobby picking U of H to score points, look, there's probably three teams left that have a chance to score points on Texas, and U of H is one of them. If it was at home, probably, probably – a little different than uh, for Texas than being at Houston. Um, and then TCU, at TCU, their receivers are remembering the plays. They're starting to play a little faster, which was a problem early. And Hoover can throw it down the field. Hoover was once committed to Kalen DeBoer at Indiana, by the way, guys. That's wild. That's, um, that's, that's, good nugget. That, that's a crazy little recruiting yeah. fact. And then, and then Kansas State with quarterback run game, right? I mean, those are really the three teams you look at, and I'm not throwing Tech out, but, I mean, Joey McGuire might be taking snaps by the time they come to Austin at this rate. <laughs> but those three teams that I think have a chance to score enough points to scare Texas. We know we know Texas has a talent disparity in their advantage over every game, but I think uh, what we don't know is whether or not they have the headset advantage. And there are a lot of good coaches in the Big 12. The, the, big, co the big 12 has been driven by coaches for the last, you know, 15 years. Uh, and so – there's a, there's a chance that Sark can go in with a bad plan, and then they're they're in a fight for their life. Um, and, and so you know that can uh, that can uh, ameliorate the, the talent to some degree. Now, obviously, it would take a lot to to lose to some of these teams. Uh, you'd have to have an extraordinarily bad bad plan. But that the, the coaching in the league is somewhat of an equalizer. Hey guys, yeah. uh, right now we're on the uh, Longhorn live stream presented by MyPerfectFranchise.net. I'm Bobby Burton alongside Rod Babers, Eric Nalin, and Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas. Uh, 
guys, uh, we're, we're going to get going here in about five to ten minutes as the Astros and Rangers uh, get set to go. Uh, but before we do, I want to ask a couple of more questions. Uh, and this is the, the one that I think will be interesting to me. Um, Todd, uh, Tom G asks, why don't we spread the field more and run it up in there? I think he's talking about red zone. That yeah, was during the red I zone conversation. Yeah. I, I know yeah. he is. And that's my question. Um, that's a question for you. But this is the other one that I really wanted to ask Rod as well. Should the horns blitz more? Are you happy with the game plans? We talk about Texas getting back in that prevent and having issues in the mm-hmm. two minute drill. Uh, take, take on those two things. Why not more wide open kind of uh, sets and why not uh, more rushing pass rush? Yeah. That's the first question about uh, why not to spread it out more in the red zone. It's interesting. I actually thought the same, very same thing when looked at pro football focus average with the formation in college football, uh, Texas actually uh, top 10 most condensed and compressed formations in college football. And you look at yards uh, the in terms of the width of the formation. So they, they like, start likes to create space on the outside mm-hmm. by condensing and compressing space. And it makes your DBs have to be run defenders when they run the football, right? Makes them have to run fit and start likes to have DBs matched up against O-linemen and his running backs and tight ends. That's also a big a benefit of it. So I think in the red zone, though, he does need to spread it out a little bit more. I mean, the jumbo package, that was all about trying to play bully ball. My suggestion would be, because Sark, he wants to have compressed sets, but he also likes his innovation. He wants to create space. The sec- I brought the 6-0 line package earlier. I think it might be a nice compromise for Sark in the red zone. If a team wants to, they want to play the pass, then you'll have easy numbers advantage and, and girth and size advantage inside. If they want to react to the 6-0 lineman, great. Then I got one-on-ones with X-Men, A.D. Mitchell, and J.T.J. Witt on the outside. So I, I'm with you on that one. About the blitzing more, um, the one thing about P.K., he, he didn't blitz. I think he would regret not blitzing more in the Oklahoma game. Uh, even on the last drive, the only blitz they had was the last play of the game, the game-winning touchdown where they bring – uh, Terrence Brooks off the corner and both him and uh, I believe him and Ethan Burke had the, they, were, they were in the same gap. That was the gap integrity breakdown. So I think he would. Donovan Smith, this is the thing about Donovan Smith. He's playing his best three-game stretch of football he's ever played in his college career. And you want to speed up his clock. I mean, this used to be a guy that was turnover prone. He's not turnover prone anymore. He's got zero interceptions, nine touchdowns in his last three games, completing over 73% of his passes at least in the last three games. He's really, really hot. You speed, you blitz him, you speed up his internal clock. And also you can flush him when you blitz him from certain sides, overload one side, flush him to the other. I think Anthony Hill is going to be big in this game. Remember Sark said second best pass rusher uh, on that team behind Byron Murphy. Also, he's their lead spy guy like Donovan Smith. I think it might be a big Anthony Hill game too for pressure. All right, Eric, you have anything on that one on uh, why don't, why they don't blitz more? Well, blitz is more of a pay, play call than a game plan. All the blitzes are in there. They, um, you know, I think going into um, in the, into the OU game, they hadn't really used nearly as many blitzes as they as they have in the bag. And I do think they tend they kept them in the bag for whatever reason. Maybe didn't trust the secondary, the tackling. Um, but we had heard that because the way that the games had gone, you know, KU uh, and going up against a lot of this, these uh, backup quarterbacks, they hadn't had to go deep into the blitz package. Um, in the past, PK has been a little bit more uh, conservative with it. I think that, you know, maybe that was a, a learning uh, lesson last week. But they're all in the bag. They're all in the scheme. He's got plenty of blitzes that, you know, he sits on them for whatever reason. There's going to be times. I think I think the issue with him and even Sark is just on this individual play calls 
in key situations have not always been been ideal. But you know, I don't want to harp on play calling too much because it's it's a hard job, especially in the moment. They get paid a lot of money to do it. Uh, but I don't think these are uh, fundamental or, or foundational breakdowns we're seeing. I think they're just you know situational cracks that that lead to bigger uh, you know maybe not ideal outcomes. Uh, but I, I don't want to extrapolate too much from these uh, isolated incidences. Yeah. All right, uh, guys, we are now 23 hours from a game time uh, tomorrow. Longhorns taking on uh, the Houston Cougars at Robertson Stadium uh, in Houston. Uh, Jerry and Eric are live right now from Pinkerton's Barbecue. We appreciate you guys doing that. Guys, go have a beer. Go eat some barbecue, watch a little Astros Rangers game. Hey, Bobby, what's your prediction for the game today, Bobby? Come on. What's that? You know what? Eric's is 10 to 2 to uh, Astros. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue what's going to happen between those two pitchers. All right. Hey, uh, uh, Rod Babers, thank you. Uh, by the way, if you don't remember, please consider a subscription uh, to InsideTexas.com. That's where Jerry, Eric, myself uh, are all on each and every day. Uh, visit InsideTexas.com. Use promo code OTFIT23. You get one uh, for for two months, only $1 right now. It's a special. You have to select the monthly offer. All right, guys. Uh, well, hey, hold on. I got well, I need one. More, I need one more prediction. I need one no. more prediction out of everybody here, okay? Rod, you're included. Don't turn All away. Right. <laughs> Rod was trying to escape. <laughs> Manny Diaz versus Ohio State tomorrow. Ooh. Manny Diaz has the number one ranked defense in America. No Texas fan ever thought they hear that on the Longhorn live stream. Okay, who, who who's picking Penn State tomorrow? Ooh, I'm not. Uh, James Franklin hadn't won a big game. He, he can't win big games. He spits the bit a little bit. Yeah. What's the last big game James Franklin won? It's been a while. I, 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 I agree with you. Job. He plays he plays it way too close for comfort too often. Plays not to lose. He thinks he's playing the percentages, but he's actually playing to lose. Bobby, yep. Bobby, let's put an end to this debate in the comments, too, whether or not Nolan Ryan is a Ranger or an Astro. Nolan Ryan is a Ranger as much as uh, – who was a tall guy for the, the Mariners that came to you? Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson. As much as Randy Johnson <laughs> is an Astro, all right? Come on, now. <laughs> Nolan had a good – Nolan Ryan had a good run at Texas. I, I'm – Y'all know I'm an Astros fan, but he threw a couple no hitters up in Arlington. He did. I missed yeah. one. I missed one and of he them. Did, by you know what? Out of Robin Ventura. <laughs> oh yeah, he did do that. He hey by, by the way, Nolan Ryan uh, from Alvin, neighboring town. I'm from Friendswood. Obviously, Rob Enfield, I think, was related through marriage to Nolan. But uh, yeah, he's he's the first town on the way to see Quandre Diggs and Angleton. So always had to pass through Alvin to go see Diggs and Jammer, Bobby. You know that route. Way to circle back. Yeah. Hey, do hey, do they have a do they have a freeway named after Nolan Ryan in Dallas? The I think it's the Nolan Ryan Expressway. In Houston, Houston, it is. Is that in Dallas too? Yeah, that's what he takes home. That's why they yep. call it that. All right, hey guys, y'all be good. Uh, we'll see y'all tomorrow. Jerry, you and I will do a pregame live stream. Uh, we've yep. got the Saturday conversation as well. Uh, for Jerry, Eric, Rod, I'm Bobby Burton, as well as our producer Matthew Hutchinson. Thank you. Uh, good luck to the Astros and the Rangers, uh, but particularly <laughs> the Longhorns tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Hook them. Go Strolls. Hook them. <laughs> <laughs>